Hey, welcome back to the Relentless Positivity Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Martin. I got a special guest today. Got my friend Alan Wilson on here. So he's the lead teaching pastor at South City Church here in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, he's married to Dawn. He got a couple kids, Kaylin and Tripp. And uh, thanks for coming on, Alan. Appreciate you being here. I'm so happy to be here, Joe. Thank you. So uh, I want to talk about a little bit kind of how you got into the ministry, all that good stuff. So uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in Huntsville. So I'm a Huntsville native, which... Uh, there's a few of us out here. I know you are too. We went yeah, to high school it's together. It's pretty rare, but they're out there. Yep, that's right. So grew up here in Huntsville, um, went away for a, a while to, to college, undergrad, um, and then went and worked in Indianapolis for National Fraternity. I was a director of spiritual programming there. And so I went through about 40 states, close to 100 college campuses, um, working with fraternity guys on uh, values clarification, uh, issues of faith. And it was, it was just a really neat growing time. And that's when I really, I guess, got started into ministry. I started going to um, seminary at that point. And so, um, and that's been about, oh, you know, 20, over 20 years ago now. Wow. So you hear about people kind of hearing, hearing the call. Did you have that or just kind of, it would always, I know you, you grew up in church, but did you feel the call right. to ministry or is it just one day you're like, hey, this is what I'm going to do? Yeah, and no, that's a great question. You know, I, um, my view on calling is that we all have a call to answer and that the, our first call to answer is to a person, you know, to, to Jesus and that um, we belong to him as our primary vocation in life as followers of him. But then, you know, he has certain giftedness and certain um, uh, tasks and certain uh, opportunities that he assigns to us. And then we get the chance to walk with him into those places. And so I've been fortunate to have some of those open up and have the possibility to um, to, to train and study and and um, and lean into those those areas. And so you know when I was going to seminary and working with college students originally, um, I felt like that I wasn't actually called to the local church. I wanted to be, you know, kind of out in the world and be a touch point between the church and the world because I didn't see. Um, I saw that sometimes there was a barrier there, that church wall could be a barrier. And so I wanted to be a kind of a person in and out. And so that's why I didn't really pursue, um, you know, full-time what you would call classical church ministry uh, right out of the gate. I came back and I started working um, in the business world and, and I've actually been in the, in the pharmaceutical sales world uh, with a pretty full-time job now for, um, I've been in that industry particularly about 14 years okay. and still am. So what's it like having that kind of that bivocational pastor life right there that, you know, you've got, you know, your, your church on one side and then the business world on another. What's that look like? What's your, let me ask, let me back that up. What's your yeah. daily routine look like? Um, well, you know, so fortunately, um, the way that we do things at, at South City, you know, I'm very much part of a team, right? Part of a launch team. Right. And so, um, you know, there's so many folks in the process that have a hand in that. And we're very fortunate to be pa uh, partnering with Cove Church, our kind of our kind of um, home or mother church that has a, a lot of resources that they're able to put in and, and to employ to help us fulfill what we believe is our mission. Um, and we also have another ministry in Avita and pastors there that are full time. And so, um, so honestly, I'm I'm a very very part time uh, cog in this wheel. It's just that part of what I I do and enjoy doing is teaching. And so I'm up front a bit. But in terms of the, um, a lot of what you might think of as the everyday, you know, rotational um, kind of uh, workings of the church, um, I don't have as much to, to deal with in that because, again, of my, my full-time uh, role in, in my sales job in pharmaceuticals. So, um, so it gives me a chance to kind of lean into my giftedness 
and then also see others empowered to go out into and to do other parts of ministry that I think are really helpful. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so if people don't know, then you started a brand new church in the middle of a pandemic. So kind of <laughs> take me back to the beginning of that. How, how did, the, what is the first step of starting a church during a pandemic? So what does that look like? Well, uh, like anything, you, you want to start small, in my view. Okay. If, if you can lead small, and uh, we certainly didn't start out thinking that we were going to be part of a church plant in the midst of a pandemic. Um, this has been about two years in the making. And right. so our plan originally was to launch just before the pandemic came in. But then as, as we were meeting with a, a team, an interest, team, uh, interest group, um, we began to see this unfold, which no one really saw coming, you know, in early 2020. Um, and so we've had to shift and, you know, I mean, these slang words like pivot, you know, we've, we've pivoted so much, we've about broken our ankles, all right, yeah, you know, bet, and, um, and trying to get this thing up, up and going. Um, and again, I don't think that we would have been able to do that without, you know, the support of our, of our home church and other um, people coming alongside of us. And so, you know, the other thing is, is that it is in the midst of a pandemic, so it makes logistical, um, you have to be nimble, you have to be agile in the in the, the services you offer, in the ways that you offer them. We, we've had to lean into technology, and we're still very much learning on that. We're trying to offer different avenues to communicate with people. Um, but at the same time, there's also, I think, a great need and uh, uh, openness that, that people have, where a lot of churches haven't been able to make that pivot, haven't been able to um, offer a minister to, to new ways to, to folks. Um, and so it gives us a place to kind of step in and be Jesus to them and as best we can. And I think that that really is part of the rationale for um, new churches in the first place, you know. Yeah, so I was going to get you to cover that part. You, you've covered it before, but kind of, yeah. so why a new church? Uh, if people don't know where his, Alan's church is located, there's four churches within walking distance. Not, not a very far walk either. So why a new right. church in that location? Yeah, we're kind of church row, you know, like fraternity row. That's kind of what I, I, I joke about. Um, and yeah, so there's a couple ways to, to look at it, right? Um, one way is to say, okay, there are churches here, but, you know, um, we want to ask, are there growing churches here? Are there churches that are that are growing, that are aligned with certain missional uh, values and are, are practicing certain things? And that's not to say that one church is any better than another church, but what you find is that churches tend to um, center themselves around different visions and values and, and, and ministry. And so um, that's why they're, they attract and they reach different kinds of people. And so what we found is that like anything in life, um, uh, churches have life cycles too. And so um, it can be more and more difficult as churches age, which most of the churches that are in our area you know, are over 15 years old. And so um, when you start getting into that space, you know, a church, it's, it's hard to rely on a church to just rely on addition to grow and to reach people. You want to start thinking about multiplication. And that's what all living things do is they sure. multiply. Yeah. Um, and so what we found is that the best engine uh, to reach new people that, that come in is to, is to kind of breathe some new life into that kingdom, you know, movement. And so that's what we're trying to do, you know, not, you know, I, I, I know that some folks see that as competition in a lot of ways, but, you know, it's not like a Chick-fil-A is moving, you know, next door to McDonald's or something. I mean, um, it's something that we're all part of trying to serve and to love our, our neighbors well. Um, and so places where we can collaborate, we do, and the places where we feel like we can offer, um, you know, a unique, uh, 
vision and, and emphasis of the folks. That's what we want to lean into. You know, yeah, so. we're all we're all starting the same God, same God up there. So that's that's, that's all that right. matters. That, that's and, right. Uh, you know, you just, you just want some variety. Some people get served and get fed in different ways. So just providing that outlet is, is great. And I think that's it's needed. And if you like serving at that church and this church, like I said, as long as you're getting fed, yeah, it's same God. So that's all we're looking for. Just give people options. Yeah. I think it's great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what does it look like? You know, you're working full time. Uh, making this church happen uh what's that look like with with kids and the wife and, and do you see them and stuff like that how does that work yeah. well I'm, I'm still figuring it out um okay. <laughs> um you know it, it really is a balance it's a tension and um one of the good things is that you know my wife and the kids are very much uh on board so it's not something that again i, I can just do or help with but we all are kind of in it together um, my daughter is just kind of uh, owning the children's ministry right now. And it's just so funny because she had a, a volleyball game. She plays on a volleyball travel team about two weeks ago. And she said, you know, gosh, I can't, I'm not going to be able to be at, at church and leave the, the kids, you know, this morning. And I said, well, we're, we have another, we have a team, honey. We're forming teams and people to help, you know, with that. And so she said, yeah, but that's kind of my job right yeah. and so like there's part of me that says no yeah I, I want you to feel that ownership but then i also want you to understand we don't have really ownership into the places we get to serve we, we're there you know just to be a part and to give and um we also want to be able to see others step into those places and so it's a good tension to have i think um but we're doing it together and i and their support means a lot to me and then in a way, it, it gives us um, and focuses us in a routine and a pattern, uh, which I think is part of what the, the mission of church is to do, is to give people reminders and signposts and places to practice their faith. Because, um, you know, as you work out in the physical world, you know, is it easier for you to work out at home alone with no one there pushing you? Or, or is it much better to have a coach and have a team yeah. and have people and to and to have a routine and a practice. And so I think that, that that practicing part of our faith, it just kind of ups our ante to lean into that. And that's probably a good thing with the other distractions we have. Yeah, well, that's cool. She's taking ownership, man. That's big for a teenager to do something like that. So that's, yes, that's a good absolutely. sign. I'm very proud. Yeah. So uh, you've, you've mentioned yourself, you're a lifelong learner. How has that served you throughout this process? Well, it's, it's important to me, you know, I, I've been, um, yeah, like I mentioned, I started in seminary oh, way back in like the year 2000 and uh, yeah, got a certificate in Christian studies, didn't finish a master's degree. About 2010, um, I started feeling like I really need to go back to school and, and I really felt more, I was getting more involved in just serving in a local church at that point. And so I went back and I finished a master's degree in Christian apologetics because um, I really value the life of the mind. And I think that when we think about our cultural uh, witness and how to be winsome and also engaging with ideas and, mm -hmm. and, um, and practices of our world that we want to be up, up to speed on that. We want to know and to think carefully, to love our God with all of our hearts, souls, and mind. And so that was a big deal to me. And so I went back and finished that. And then when I um, I took a break actually from um, sales world and went into full-time ministry for about four years and served as a student pastor, a young adult pastor and, and teaching pastor at Cove. And when I did that, I also went back and finished another master's degree in theology, which has always been something of a big interest of mine, obviously. And so um, that's about seven years total, you know, part-time in school with the family and jobs and um but, you know, again, 
I don't know that I would have learned as much just on my own studying and reading, but it was able to give me a foundation to where now I know and have the freedom to go out and to look into uh, process things in a way that I think is helpful. And, um, but it doesn't stop, you know, um, I, I had this poster growing up as a kid in my room. I, I, I love swimming and golfing. Those are my two sports growing up. And um, there's a picture of a swimmer and it just said real winners aren't satisfied with yesterday's victories. Yeah. And, uh, and I've always, I've always thought about that, that, that today, that's the way our learning is, you know, is that real learners aren't satisfied with just what they knew yesterday. But we want to keep, uh, we'll keep an open mind, you know, not so open that, you know, our brains fall out, but we want to keep an open mind and we want to be interested and engaged. And, and I think that's part of the way that we love God and others, you know? Yeah, that's it. Let me ask you this. You've, you've called yourself a theological mutt before. So kind of explain that and how, how your different education background went into that. Yeah, that's a good, that's, that's great. Um, partly that's because I've been in several different church traditions. You know, right now I'm serving in a Methodist church, but I didn't grow up in a Methodist church. Um, so I probably have about four church backgrounds that I've been engaged in and involved with over the years. Um, you know, going to three different seminaries, uh, Two of the ones I went to, I would say, are broadly in a conservative evangelical tradition, you know, although they're, they're multi-denominational, um, they're some of the larger ones uh, in, in the U.S., the United States, um, and they were great back for, for my background, you know, and then also uh, going to Asbury, which is in Kentucky, which is a primarily Wesleyan uh, in heritage and is a, is a large sending ground for Methodist um, ministers themselves, so uh, so yeah, I, I think that it's good to be well-rounded and to, um, to listen to different voices. I think that the comparison brings clarity in a lot of ways in life and that um, we want to be able to, to navigate and to understand uh, uh, knowledge and truth in a way that brings wisdom and not just information. And so to do that, I think it takes um, some diversity and it takes some different kind of experiences and openness to have, you know. Absolutely, yeah. So speaking of that diversity, so your church, it's, it's not just a regular church. It also has a bi bilingual service and it's another ministry within there, Nueva Vida, you mentioned earlier. T touch on that yeah. a little bit. Yeah, so this is exciting to me, you know, um, and this is a total God thing. You know, when we were first starting to, to launch in, in this area, um, we hadn't, had not established a relationship with them initially. Um, but as we got into our, our place here, um, just through a series of, of interactions, we were able to meet um, these pastors, Orr and Lucy Morales, and their, their daughters, which are phenomenal. They're very, very gifted, you know, um, uh, musically and, and uh, in teaching and in uh, interpreting and then being able to, to teach. And we just got to know them and their hearts, and they were ministering here close by that's where, where they live and also trying to form house churches, you know, across the Tennessee Valley. And, but they didn't have a home base. They didn't have a home place to kind of meet and to work out of. Um, there were, there was another church they were affiliated with, but that relationship was coming to an end um, because different alignment and values and things like that, just as we talked about differences, sure. differences make a difference, but that's okay. Um, and so for us, it was an opportunity to come together and join together and say, Hey, let's, see if we can partner and, and do a multi-ethnic, you know, um, plant together and just see each other and, and love each other and um, work together on things and, and see our strengths kind of come, come out. And uh, it's been challenging. You know, there isn't like a lot of 
what you might call models, I guess, to yeah. go on that I know of. I mean, I, you know, I could be ignorant of that, but um, but uh, the thing that it takes it just it takes um, I think you know the, the right people in the right time um, and a lot of grace, and so we're, we're leaning into that, and um, it's exciting to me. I mean, honestly, I you know. Uh, if one of our services prosper, we both prosper, you know, right. if one hurts, we both hurt. Um, we're there for each other and we're, we're totally in it together as one big family. And so I think it also gives, um, I think it also is a good witness for the world right now um, in terms of being able to come together with people that may look a little different or, or seem a little different than you to realize that we have more in common than, than apart, you know, than, than our differences make. And so for us as a body of Christ, it gives us at least a visual example of what we should all be striving for, you know, in our view. It's amazing when you get out there and meet people that don't look like you. They're exactly <laughs> like you, by the way. <laughs> On the I've inside, been to Nicaragua a, a few times. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've right. been to Nicaragua, like I said, a few times. And they've got the crazy uncle, just like you've got the crazy uncle. They've got the little kid that gets on your nerve. They've got all that just like we do. Just because they look a little different, we're all the same, man. It's just people are afraid of what's different, right? I'm, I'm a ginger. People treat me differently sometimes just because I'm a ginger, right? Just yeah. a little bit different. But yeah, if you're not afraid to sit down and break bread with somebody, you'd be amazed what you can learn, right? Absolutely. No, absolutely. And it's uh, it's something that we're always learning, you know, and that attitude of, of humility, it just goes a long way. It's something that obviously I'm continually coming back to and, and being humbled by. Um, but I think that that we can definitely do that and lean into that as persons and grow from it. And so, um, so we're still, we're still figuring things out and still, you know, still working towards that together. Um, but I think that the, the ideal and the kingdom mindedness of it is just such a neat um, thing to be a part of. I'm just glad to kind of be a part of it, you know? Yeah. So what does a bilingual service look like as far as, you know, I walk in, is it in half in Spanish, half in English? What does that look like? Yeah. So, um, for the most part, that's exactly right. You know, from the upfront, they'll have, but anything that's spoken from upfront is typically done in both English and Spanish. And they'll, they'll do the Spanish first and then, and then English, um, sometimes with an interpreter, sometimes without. Uh, the singing tends to be all in English. You know, um, there may be some songs or some parts of the songs that they revert back to the Spanish language. But then um, in the preaching time, then there's typically a pastor and an interpreter. And so, um, or is the, the main teaching pastor there and his daughter, um, Karen, is their interpreter. And to see the dynamic between the two, you know, Karen doesn't just, uh, she doesn't just interpret, but she she teaches, she preaches in there with him, you know? And so it's, it's a really kind of neat um, thing to witness and, and be a part of. And uh, for a lot of folks, it, it gives them a place that they can look up and see people in leadership and see people um, that they can relate and connect to. And then that gives them an open door to come in and, and to be a part and get involved. And then once those once folks kind of have a feeling they can get involved and belong, then oftentimes you see their beliefs coming and you see the interactions and the, um, the way that people can then start forming communities, you know, together uh, that that's really special, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's important to see someone that looks like you in leadership. I think that's important. That's, I think it's awesome. You guys are doing that. Yeah. So. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of places say, you know, we really want to be, you know, diverse. We really want to, um, lean into reconciliation. And, uh, and for me, my own conviction of that is, you know, it's a lot, it's something to say that, 
but it can be it can be a tough thing to actually practice. And part of that practicing is to yield and to lean into um, to give voice and, and position to people that can have real influence in your organization um, that, that do bring that. You're not just diversity of, um, of skin color or, neth or, neth or ethnicity, um, but, but you wanna have people that come in there that can see things a little different too. You know, um, Not so much that you derail yourself from your vision, your core values, but our perspectives um, you know, can be really helpful and they can help us see our blind spots. And so uh, I think that all those things are important to just consider as we, whatever organization that we're leaning into, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. So you, you have a podcast yourself. It's uh, I do. It, it, your, your naming skills are almost as good as mine. So mine, you can see Joe Martin <laughs> Fitness. I put my name as yours. It's called Ask Alan Podcast. Yeah. What, what is that about? What do you do in your, your podcast? So the, how that came, a, came about was when I was a student pastor um, at, at Cove, I really wanted to... Um, I really wanted to help create an environment and a culture where students felt like that they could ask questions, where they could um, wrestle with their doubts and their beliefs and understand how faith and doubt works and um, to not be afraid or to cover those things up. But because, uh, you know, the thing about doubt is, is um, it's not having them that's a problem, it's where we take them. Um, and so that was one of the values that we really wanted to lean into. And so we, we started this, you know, uh, we'd have an Ask Alan night or service, you know, and, and the kids just loved it. They made t-shirts on their own, which is, which is <laughs> hilarious to me, right? Um, but they just, they just loved it, you know, that they thought that, man, this is a church, this is the place and where I can come and literally, you know, nothing is, is too far outside the lines, you know, um, and so when we were starting uh, to think of you know, building culture in this church, we want this church to be a place where questions are welcome. So if you go to our, if you go to the website, southcityhsv.com, you'll see right at the top there, you know, questions welcomed. And there's a little video that I have there and we talk about that and, um, and talk about how uh, we are seeking a faith. We're trying to uh, delve into a faith seeking understanding and continuing that. And so, um, yeah, the Ask Allen thing just came up because I got two former kind of students that are working with us on staff and they were like, we should just, we should just call just bring it, it back. Yeah. So we're just bringing it back. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a lot of fun. We talk and we get questions between ourselves that we want to discuss. And then also um, we're trying to work better with social media to get other people to get engaged and to send in uh, questions. Um, our most watched or downloaded episode so far is one that I did um, with our last series on a world divided uh, that dealt with the questions of other religions and how a Christian approach to other religions, what, what that looks like. Um, how can we lift up Jesus as uh, the true Lord and, and savior um, while also uh, trying to live in a world that's very pluralistic and diverse. And so what does that, what does that look like and why? can we as Christians be both inclusive and um, still hold exclusive uh, um, commitments to our faith, you know, so. Right. Yeah. You're, you're a brave man letting teenagers ask you questions. That was, hey, listen, they, they're, they're, you know, without a filter. Um, and I tell you, the questions that they would ask as seventh graders even, you know, um, living in our world today were things that I didn't think about or, or really struggle with until probably college. Right. Yeah. And as you get to know them and talk with them and they get the space where they feel comfortable about voicing their, their questions and their thoughts, 
um, you realize what a need that we have in our world to just be able to to not um, uh, to not shut that down or to judge from that, um, but to be stewards of it and to help others, you know, as they grow and 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 think well, you know. That's great, man. That's 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 like I said, man. You're a brave guy to asking questions and not knowing what, not having a pre advanced question. I don't have all the answers, you know, and that's. Um, but uh, but I, you know, I've kind of had my ear to the ground. <laughs> On a lot, on a lot of them, and I think that there's at least certain um, healthy processes, just like there's healthy ways to deal with a lot of things, you know, in life. Um, if you can give, uh, you know, one of our values is to is to help people learn to, to think for themselves, but we never really think for ourselves. We always are in community. We're always being influenced, um, and so help people in to know where they can go and how to process those things and, and understand. Um, and then grow in that. So that's that's something that we want to see happen, you know, that's for great, both man. kids and adults alike. You know, we yeah. all need that, right? Sure. So I just got two things and we'll close yeah. it up. But first, I'm not in the witness protection program. I'm set up right in front of a window. So if you can't <laughs> see me, <laughs> the Lord is shining on me right now. But I was uh, I'm not, you've gotten brighter as we were talking. I just, I don't uh, know. Uh, you know, well, that's how it goes. The coffee's kicking in, that type of stuff. But yeah. um, so this, we're filming this on the Thursday before the Super Bowl. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh, wow. Chiefs or Chiefs or Bucks? So I got to go Chiefs. And I tell you, um, the very first NFL hat I ever owned was a Chiefs hat. Okay. okay? Uh, oddly, being here, I mean, of course, you know, I think my dad might have liked the Falcons. I never was big in the NFL, but when Joe Montana was playing for the Chiefs, I just, okay. you know, um, anyway, so I got to pull for the Chiefs again. You know. the Chiefs. I like Mahomes. He's a neat, you know, he's, I think he's a neat player. And uh, yeah, so we'll go Chiefs. Well, we got a hometown kid, Reggie Ragland on the Chiefs. So, you know, you got a hometown sure. kid on there too. So that's, no, that's yeah. right. Good point. Yep. All right. Cool. cool. Man. Well, this will come out, like I said, after the Super Bowl. So you'll, you may look like a genius or, you know, it's 50 50 shot, right? Yeah, I'll take well, it. Well, man, I, I really appreciate you coming on. I'm going to link everything in show notes about your website, your Facebook page, the Ask Allen podcast, all that good stuff. But uh, do you have any closing remarks? Anything else you want to share? Judge, uh, thanks again. Um, I love the idea of relentless positivity. I think that anything that we have, it's a long obedience in the same direction. It takes a relentlessness and a good attitude. And so I appreciate what you're doing out there in the fitness world and also in just helping us as we navigate through a time when psychologically we need all the, the positivity and the help we can get. So I appreciate you, brother. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you what you're doing, man. Thanks for coming on. Yep. Thanks. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you could rate, review, and share this podcast, that would be really helpful for getting the word out about all the positive things going on in the world. Also, my new book is out on Amazon, Relentless Positivity, Amazon bestseller. How about that? Also, how about my guy Zero Degrees and his new intro? Let's listen to that again on the way out.